Welcome to Fortune Kit here at uh, Fortune Kit NPR Studios. We're here with Raina Doris from NPR's World Cafe. Raina, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Oh, there you go. See, that's the pro NPR voice right there. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't do compete that. with that. <laughs> it takes a lot of practice. Dan, can you can we hear your best attempt at an NPR voice? Who me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm Dan Becker, and you are listening to NPR. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, how about Alex? What, what do you got? Uh, hello, it's me, Ira Glass. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Terry Gross, with NPR. <laughs> That's perfect, actually. Yeah, that was You're just listening right. to the market. <laughs> so I feel like the, the pandemic has kind of... Um, lessened the difference between or maybe this is just true in general of this era where the difference between NPR and podcasting is kind of just like that compression and EQ type of sound because at the end of the day I don't know everyone's doing that stuff now I guess yeah I mean I always thought of it as uh, I mean I, I think I think when like Ira Glass and This American Life really got big is when that sort of podcaster cadence started to become popular. Yeah. Like, yeah, I remember yeah. hearing, I dated a guy at the time who had also started a podcast and he was doing that voice. And I remember being like, honey, you have to stop doing the hourglass <laughs> voice. <laughs> because it was so distinctively like what he was trying to do. Uh, but yes, it's very, now it's just everywhere and you can't even tell that people are doing it. It's fun. It's like music in that way of like a big artist comes along and then everyone totally. rips them off. I, exactly. I got Stitcher premium recently to, um, to listen to blowback, uh, that Iraq war podcast. Oh yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I just canceled my stitcher premium because I, I, I finished it. I'm about to cancel mine too. Cause, <laughs> uh, literally every podcast on there has, you know, like the, it's like, it's kind of the NPR sound, but it's, it's more of like the professional podcast sound. It's like the, the music is all shockingly similar too. It's like a lot of marimbas, yeah, so like the professional podcast melody. sound is derivative of yeah. NPR. Yeah, I think... I th- the professional podcast sound, like this podcast right now that we're doing. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. If anyone thought we were professional, that would be... That person's a sucker. We need to take advantage of that. I'm, I'm recording all the audio, all my side of the audio for this into Ableton, and I have uh, the warp function turned on, and it's at 400 beats per minute. And then I'm gonna, and then I'm gonna give that to Charles, and Charles is gonna have to slow it down just, and uh, line it up and edit it. I'm recording it on my phone. I'm going 95 on the highway right now. <laughs> I'm holding my phone with both just hands. A GoPro. Yeah. I just got a delay pedal uh, running through the mic, and I'm just switching the knobs. I'm randomly. shouting uh, into an Edison spool. It's like inscribing this on wax, and then I'm going to uh, physically mail it to you, Charles. Yeah, like. I miss the days of vinyl podcasting. That would be pretty sick, actually. What, cutting an entire podcast onto a vinyl record? Where you have to go and buy <laughs> yeah, them exactly. at the store? Well, no, every week, I mean, like, re- recording it onto a, a wax cylinder and then sending it to your friend as a prank. I think you just... And then actually having the recording <laughs> off it. Yeah. You could probably hear what you're saying. Raina, I think you just saved the music industry. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah, like, I wonder, like, with an audience like Chapo's, I wonder how many they could uh, dupe into buying episodes on vinyl. <laughs> 
They did cassette episodes, right? Oh, I mean, you can sell the E1 album on vinyl. Did you do that? People actually asked us to, but I was too late. Like, I never actually got it mastered for real. I just fake mastered it. So I started thinking about the work it would take. I was like, I'm going to have to, like, undo the fake master and take this in and pay to get it real mastered. No, and then I don't know don't. how many people are yeah, actually going to pay for it. Just, you just put a VST on it. Who gives a shit? No, for vinyl, though, um, it's like a really specific thing where the printing presses need you to have... Um, you have to, like... Put, okay, basically, you send them two files that are side A and side B, and then they need to know all the time codes of when the songs begin and end. Because, you know, like, when you look at a record, there's that, like, marker, like, where the song starts. So it's just, like, a different process that you do have to, like, know all this semi-esoteric shit. And I was like, I don't feel like doing it right now. <laughs> Why can't <laughs> you just send them MP3s and they do it? That's true. I wonder... Well, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that most of them won't do that because there's so few plants that actually press stuff. And doesn't, you know, pressing an MP3 to vinyl sort of defeat the purpose of it sounding better than that? Yeah. It does. <laughs> That's why these days it's mostly just having an artifact yeah. rather than having something that sounds I think good. we're kind of I'm past trying to think that. of, like... Like if you were yeah. actually going to put a podcast on records, like would you like would a single episode be like a seven inch? And then if you wanted the whole season, you get like a box yeah. set. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> like it. That. Yeah, like one one episode would have to be a double LP, right? Because even if you push yeah. a record, it can only get up to like 45 or 50 minutes. Yeah, and you start so. getting... What is the uh, max runtime of a 33 and a third? I think it's like 40, 40 five to 50 minutes about that but you start losing yeah, like, um i think it's 37 36 or 37 minutes you start losing audio quality apparently um i love the idea of like a dj with two turntables like at a club they're putting on a record and then they like put a podcast <laughs> on and like mix it in to the song that's playing <laughs> You got like a Lil John song from 2004 and a podcast. Yeah. And then an episode of like, you best remember this. Just kind of. Oh, one novelty thing I almost bought on vinyl once was a uh, Barry Goldwater's 1964 RNC speech. Ooh. Just oh, no. uh, put, put that on with Lil John and just kind of mix it up. Folkways was doing a thing for a while where they were uh, releasing like great American political speeches, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> Like, massive box sets of political speeches. You know, the only record, the only novelty record I've almost ever bought was The Hamster Dance on vinyl. <laughs> Who printed that? Which, and I, I remember holding it in my hand, and I was like, oh, should I get this? It's like five bucks. And I'm like, no, this is stupid. And then two days later, I was like, I kind of wish I bought it. Five bucks is not too See, bad. I'm stupider than you then. I bought um, The Happy Hamsters Sing Michael Jackson's Greatest Hits on vinyl. Which is a ripoff of Alvin and the Chipmunks singing Michael Jackson. What What's the difference wow. between the Happy Hamsters and the and Alvin and the Chipmunks? It's off brand, so they don't have to pay royalties yeah, to they're Alvin. They're hamsters instead of chipmunks. Uh. Yeah, totally different rodent. How much did you pay for that? How I would bet you it was like two or three bucks. It's one of those That's things I bad. found on Discogs. Like I was buying like a real album, and then sometimes I search. For like dumb shit to just throw on top of it. Oh wait, so. you bought this online? It wasn't like you were yeah. looking through records at a store. You had to put in your information <laughs> to get that record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, Raina, I'm I'm kind of wondering like, on your end, like I guess it's funny because like on our end, this is just always how we record stuff is remotely. But on your end, how different is it to have to do everything remotely? I guess. I mean, it's. 
I mean, it's very different. Uh, ideally, I would be in a studio. A band would be stopping in person, and we would be in Philadelphia at the uh, WXPN. Is the studio on the University of Pennsylvania campus that we actually produce the show out of, um, and. They would be coming in, and we'd be sitting across a table from each other talking. Uh, but, you know, I would do sometimes phone interviews. So this is like, it's weird. It's like doing Zoom interviews is what I usually do, so I can actually see them. Right. Um, which is kind of nice. It's weird because it feels like it should be less intimate because you are not in person, obviously. But there's something kind of nice about it where... There is no entourage of, like, PR people or managers or all of these sort of, like, other band members if you're talking to somebody. It's just you and a person, and you're both, like, barefoot in your own houses that makes it sort of almost more comfortable. Uh, so I don't know. It, it feels like it's a weird adjustment. It hasn't been as bad as I kind of thought it would be. Um, but, yeah, I mean, nothing's really the same as talking to a person yeah, in real life. Yeah. Do you find um, do you find other band members kind of problematic during in, in person interviews? You know, it depends. Sometimes it's fine. It kind of depends on the artist. So some, especially you know, uh, one thing we found is like younger artists or like newer, greener yeah. artists. You want to kind of if it's the front person who's like kind of the the singer songwriter mastermind behind it, and they have a band because if they come in, they'll they'll do like a live performance. Right in one studio and then we might do the interview in another studio. So uh, it, it, it can be sort of intimidating to be interviewed in front of your whole band. Uh, so it's nice to bring them into another room and do it yeah, privately. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, but sometimes, you know, if it's somebody who's really comfortable and they don't care, then it's no big deal having like the whole band there. And sometimes it can be more fun. Like the energy of it can be more fun. I prefer to be able to interview someone between the songs that they perform for us on the show because then it's kind of like it, the energy is just more fun. Like it just feels like you're at a show and you're. Yeah. Yeah. It's like KEXP or something. That's how they usually do it. right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's like song, a few questions, song, a few more questions, song, and then you're at. Yeah, exactly. So like, yeah, I've always found like taking them out of that environment can feel a little unnatural. But sometimes you kind of need to, depending on the person you're talking to or the conversation that you yeah, want to have. Yeah. Is that like a judgment call that you make based on what you're seeing or? Yeah. Yeah. Like usually we'll we try to decide beforehand because uh, we want to let them know what to expect. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Like if, if it feels like it's usually it's it really is usually like the younger artists. So like. An artist who might be like 20 or 21 who's just released their first thing and they're kind of like blowing up. You want to just be like, hey, look, you don't have to do this interview standing up in this big room. You can come sit with me somewhere comfortable and we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, <laughs> and tell me all your secrets. I th I was, this is reminding me that uh, I think Wolf Parade used to infuriate uh sort of more professional interviewers because we insisted on interviewing as a block like you know that is a like, I mean, it is so hard at the time uh there were five people in the band and one of them loves to talk about Zizek all the time so you know depending on <laughs> depending on the day they go to interview the band and then get uh get yelled at about like uh the Frankfurt school and Zizek for 30 minutes and then we'd leave <laughs> so yeah well see like 
if you're in person, that's not so bad. But if now on Zoom, if I have like three or four people, it's just people talking over each other for half of the interview and then going, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. No, you go. And that's the whole thing now. So, I mean, I try to keep it to like one or two if I can. That's why you have to interview podcasters exclusively because they know about that. They're very lonely. (laughs) They know about being in a Discord call. The pivot to podcasting. I have noticed you guys are really good at leaving a space when you're done talking. I wouldn't say we're really good. I'd say we're just barely average. We're getting better. Yeah. (laughs) I I feel like I'm still just like, I'm just babbling over stuff constantly. Well, a a big thing is just that there's like lag anyway. And that's actually, it's kind of interesting, Raina. Like you're talking about how you'd prefer to see people on Zoom for podcasting. The reason, especially with E1, I mean, that was like my first introduction to podcasting. And the reason we never had the like video on is just for lag reasons of if we have like four or five people on an episode, we want the minimum like latency we can get so we can actually like react quickly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just always been natural for us to have no visual and then just kind of listen for when to jump in, you know? Totally. That makes sense. I mean, I'm still very bad at jumping on, uh, jumping in on people. Uh, the other thing that I have a really weird hard time with is not actively listening to people. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, right. Yes. Mm. Yes. And they're like, just stop. My producer, like when I first started they they told me they're like, uh, you need to stop saying like, yes, all the time. And then you also, uh, you keep laughing when it seems inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so, because I would be like, oh, sure, it seems like this person is telling me something that, you know, in a normal conversation, you might laugh. But when you're listening to it, it just sounds like I'm nuts. <laughs> like, it just sounds like I'm laughing for no reason. But because I can see their face in the moment, uh, I don't feel. So, like, the, 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 the sort of disconnect between uh, when you can see someone and when you can only hear someone is a little hard yeah. to adjust to. We need to play this one for clicks and have a headline about this episode, like... Uh, NPR's Raina Duris. I don't know how to do my job, and I don't know how to laugh when like I laugh all the time. I am never paying attention. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There we go. (laughs) There's a Turkish classic rock clickbait.